What would it look like if a woman who could win a Betty White lookalike contest decided to start poisoning people? Can an adorable old lady murder people in cold blood? In today's episode, we'll be talking about Dorothea Puente and her murderous rampage. Find out how you, too, can kill guests in your home on today's episode of Well, That's Horrible. Well, 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 that's horrible. Welcome back to this week's episode of Well, That's Horrible. I'm Reese Holly, and with me is... Travis. That's right. We tell stories about horrible and not-so-horrible things to each other, and you get to listen in. Do you think our opinions need to be heard worldwide? Absolutely. Definitely. Then let's let the world know what we think. You know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Unprofessional Opinion. What was your least favorite food as a child? Do you still hate it, or do you love it now? Um, I've always really hated apples. Like, what? I Who hate hates apples? apples. I hate apples. I, I hate every kind of apple. <laughs> that's that's the deciding factor. Yep. Like, yep. You're like, mm, he's pretty liberal. Right. But it's he doesn't like apples. You over the edge. <laughs> that's... <laughs> <laughs> Secret thanks, police Obama. are coming for me. Yeah, thanks, Obama. No, I've always hated apples. Uh, it is my least favorite food of all time, and I just I don't know what it is. Like that makes I've tried no sense to me. Gala and Honey Crisp and other apples that have names. Um, those were my two. Did you just list off all of the apples that you know? Yeah, those are the two that my wife likes, so oh, okay. I have to get those from the store. So. You know. <laughs> Does she force you to buy more just to torture you? No, I, don't, I mean, I don't care. I'll... Do you like apple anything? Applesauce? I don't like applesauce. No. No apple pie? <laughs> no warm apple pie for me. <laughs> no. no. Not sir. for eating. No, I mean, <laughs> apple pie is you like putting a ice cream on it. I yeah. think it's good. Yeah. You know, it's mostly just cinnamon. Have you ever tried apple pie with cheddar cheese? I have not. That is fantastic. That's. Very Midwestern of you. Oh yeah. Like, well, think my about lord. It. Have you ever had apples and cheddar cheese? I've, yeah. My dad was one of my dad's favorite snacks. See, so he would bring that out all the time, and he'd put them all in a bag together. Okay. And then we'd go fishing, and that was the only food for the whole day. Put the cheese and the apples together. Yeah, you just get in a ziploc bag. Cheese, then, and then you'd get the soggy cheese, and I hated apples, and I'd just eat the cheese, and then wouldn't eat the apples, and it's just go terrible. hungry and eat. Apple flavored cheese and it was awful. So, <laughs> hard pass. See, still, still don't like apples. I mean, I don't like grapes either. But that's because I, when I was twelve, I got fifty dollars for eating a pig's eyeball. So, you know, that was more Those like are the same thing. They pop the same. Oh. So, and then they had that kind of juicy center. Was it cooked? Yeah, it was, a, it was from a pig roast. You know, oh. so it was had been fully cooked. Right. I mean, it was it was pretty rare in the middle. Let's just say, yeah, it, it definitely had a nice like, like can, pop when you bought an, into it. Like, can you cook the juice in an eyeball? Like, no matter how much you cook it, is it ever going to get or is it firm, just or is it going constant to, jelly? Is it going to just be like a gusher, but animal form? Ugh. 
I don't know. <laughs> it was the the inside with the like texture of like snot. Like it was disgusting. It's not the first time you've had that texture explode in your mouth. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Wouldn't be the last. R.I.P. Uncle Pete. <laughs> <laughs> See, my my food that I hated as a kid was leftover top ramen. My mom saved all food. If there was leftover food, it was saved. And so if we had top ramen for a meal, she would save the rest of that top ramen and we would have it for leftovers. Wouldn't that just be like top ramen porridge? Top ramen sludge? Yeah, everything just forms into a sludge. And the best flavor comparison I have is olive-flavored top ramen. And it was horrifying. I I hated it. I hated it. Definitely don't eat leftover top ramen anymore. I'll, I'll live without that. <laughs> <laughs> ha, ha. Brought the See, olive back. I, it took me a little bit to think of a pun. <laughs> you were just waiting for I, it. I, I was waiting. Oh, I heard nothing of what you said. I was just waiting. I was like, oh, I can make a pun with olive. <laughs> See, the that was mine. I did have to chuckle, though, because uh, I was... Um, talking with one of my cousins recently, and he reminded me about... Uh, like cousin cousins or kissing cousins? Well, I mean, you can kiss your cousins, too. <laughs> but I don't kiss this one. Um, and uh, he reminded me that he had come out to uh, stay with us for a week. And my mom had made uh, omelets. And then we had leftover omelets afterwards, and my cousin did not like mushrooms, but the rule was you had to, I think he only had to have one technically, but uh, he tried to muscle that sucker down and wound up losing everything and it had to sprint over to the bathroom because it, it just wouldn't stay down. That is legit what happens to me whenever I eat grapes. Like an apple, I'll just chew it up and be like, ugh, this is gross. Right. But grapes, it instant, like I want to puke. Weird. Like that, uh. That really old egg that you made me eat. Um, <laughs> that was the same thing. That For one those, of those of hundred you that don't year know, eggs. And I'll include a picture of this in uh, in our Instagram posts. But for my birthday, I got century uh, eggs, which are aged duck eggs, and they get buried for several weeks to months, and then once you open them up. The white of the egg looks like jellied coffee, mm. <laughs> and the yolk is kind of a cheesy, nutty flavor and <laughs> super sticky and mushy. And it's really gray. It's really gray. R- and obscenely and offensively gray. <laughs> there's there's something borderline, yeah, it's it's just terrible. It's I'll like Toby of the office gray. Like, who he <laughs> is as a person. His personality. Yeah. As an uh, egg. Uh, and they uh, weren't bad. They tasted okay. But I do have a video, which I feel like maybe we need to post, of Travis eating <laughs> that egg. It, like, it got stuck on the, the yolk. Like, adhered to my the roof of my mouth immediately. <laughs> and then I was like, I had to, like, drag my tongue through the sludge on the roof of my mouth, and it's like the texture and consistency of peanut butter. So like you're like, <laughs> but oh. not, but not the flavor. No, and then it's like a deep nutty fungal. Mm. Like <laughs> you know, it's I love very my fungal. Nuts fungal. <laughs> <laughs> 
But I, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I, I did not do well with that. You know, I have been thinking a lot about it, and I think we should probably tell a horrible story. Oh, I'm so ready. All aboard! So, Dorothea Puente, born Dorothea Helen Gray, was born on January 9th, 1929 in Redlands, California. You can tell that she was born in a time when you needed backup children for all of the ones that would die because she was the sixth of seven children. (laughs) Her dad, who was super violent and constantly threatened suicide in front of the kids, died of tuberculosis when she was eight. I'm actually not sure why that was portrayed as a bad thing. Right. I, I, I don't know. I, I constantly threaten suicide in front of my kids, and they're fine. Do you want me to take this butter knife, open my veins to the world, and experience the sweet release that only death can bring? No? Then pick up the banana peel you've had on your bedroom floor for the last week. Her mom really stepped up to the proverbial parenting plate by becoming an alcoholic, abusing her kids nonstop, and then dying in a motorcycle accident. Honestly, her her mom just sounds like a badass. You know, <laughs> drinking heavily, dying in a motorcycle wreck, and punching people just makes for some major street cred. <laughs> Dorothea bounces from foster home to foster home, deciding at 16 that it was time to head out on her own. She lands in Olympia, Washington. At this point, she figured she'd give prostitution a try. Just the good old, good old college try, or the community college try. <laughs> community in college this case, try. Yeah. well, no, she was sixteen, so high school. She gave it the old high school, the old try. high school prostitution try. <laughs> uh, please don't try this dating method at home. But she did wind up finding a husband this way. Oh, I mean, I'm not sure if it was if he was one of her Johns. Or if she just stumbled across him. But either way, she does find a man. Uh, She met and married a man named Fred McFowl in 1945. She and Fred were only together for about three years, and they had a few kids. During that time, Dorothea sent one of her kids to live with relatives and placed another up for adoption. Fred asked for and got a divorce, and Dorothea moved down to California. You'd think... That if she had somebody who could take in her children, like, where the fuck were they when the child was prostituting herself in Olympia, (laughs) Washington, which is a fucking shithole, like, (laughs) who wants to go to Olympia? She was not making the big bucks. I have no idea about, I've never been to Olympia. I know nothing about it. Let's assume it's terrible. (laughs) That's, That's my entire assumption. I... Just There's remember, anyone from Olympia. from Olympia, Washington, fuck you. We don't fuck care about you. you, and you have the worst city ever. <laughs> I mean, it's... <laughs> ever. Detroit has nothing on you. <laughs> Olympia, Washington nothing. is just trash. <laughs> Twin Falls, Idaho. Fuck you, Twin Falls. <laughs> you don't have... I mean, everybody, lots of places have fucking Twin Falls. Like, two falls. Oh, oh look, we have like, two waterfalls. I've been to Great town. Falls, Montana. Those are mediocre falls at best. Are we just going to go through and insult <laughs> random towns? That's what I'm going for. I think for. that's what the podcast needs to be from <laughs> here on, just, is insulting fucking, towns. Like, fuck you, Great Falls, and yep. your 
We'll just we'll move waterfall town to town to town and eventually lose one listener at a time as we insult their town. I mean, <laughs> it sounds like a plan. I mean, we already have like twelve listeners, so <laughs> we, we just need to find out where they live super fast. I one mean, I bet one of them New lives Zealand, in Spokane. Actually. Well, one of them probably lives in Spokane because fucking I'm Spokane's sure. a piece of shit. Everyone lives in Spokane. <laughs> so Dorothea decided that prostitution wasn't a great career choice. Shocker. She was probably <laughs> concerned that she would end up married again. So the next logical career was cashing forged checks. Is um, that a career? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You, you had weird career choices. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ma'am, in the amount section of this check you're trying to cash, it just says a shit ton of moolah. <laughs> she gets caught and spends four months in prison. After getting out... Puente was supposed to stick around and serve out her probation. She was a model citizen while on probation, even volunteering to become the resident prostitute for the local police department. <laughs> she was actually a tax write-off for the department under the heading, quote, pump therapy. <laughs> I'm kidding. She immediately, immediately bounced out of town. She stayed in California and landed in San Francisco. Not sure if she started walking the street again, but she wound up marrying a second husband, Axel Bren Johansson. In oh, 1952. Wow, Axel's just a badass name. It really is. Like fucking Axel and he is an accountant. <laughs> <laughs> he yeah, folds name's na- Axel. He folds napkins for a living. <laughs> they argued constantly about Dorothea's drinking and gambling. She also got caught offering to perform a sex act on an undercover police officer. I personally am very popular with the local police department. <laughs> I can lick toes like nobody's business. Oh, you can get toe right between those front teeth. Just file this, away. This tooth gap is as big as you can get without knocking some teeth out. <laughs> uh, Axel decided that this warranted sending her to a psychiatric ward. I'm guessing that she was an absolute kitten in the bedroom because they stayed married until 1966. So it was like eight years that they were married. Several <laughs> years after she went to a psychiatric ward for offering sex to a, an undercover police officer. Uh, my wife, Erica, is absolutely amazing, and I can't imagine life without her. But if she got caught offering, quote, services at a hooker house, I might have some questions. I mean, how much how much was she getting? I mean, like, was it a good amount of money? Like, my wife or... Pointing? Either way, I mean, whatever... <laughs> Whatever you no, want. I'm to, just saying, like, of... what's the money amount where you're like, it's all right, babe. Like, be go go sleep with that millionaire. Like, what's your money amount? It, there, there isn't one. There's I, just... I couldn't get past it. <laughs> and as far as I know, Erica was not 50. a prostitute before we met. <laughs> uh, I mean, I have my usual room down at the motel, but that's just for legitimate business transactions where I perform filthy acts for money. I have just the nicest... The nicest fishnet stockings. <laughs> but my leg hair sticks through. I look I, I look like a sexy chia pet. <laughs> Puente decided to change her appearance, lets her hair go gray, and wears giant old lady glasses. A couple years later, in 1968, Puente marries a guy named Roberto Puente. You might recognize that name. <gasps> They only stayed together for about 16 months, but apparently that was long enough for her to keep that last name. The nice thing about being married to so many people is that you get your pick of the litter as far as names go. 
She then marries Pedro Angel Montalvo. Yep, we're going with that, Montalvo. But that marriage only lasted about a week. She's just a serial <laughs> goddamn... Marrier? Marrier? Yeah. <laughs> Monogamer? <laughs> I don't think it can really count as monogamy if you've just jumped from husband to husband to husband. Right. That's, I think that's kind of the opposite of monogamy. <laughs> I think so. At this point, Dorothea figured that between the drinking, gambling, and hooking, she would make an amazing caretaker. So she started a daycare. The children were given a shot glass of Jack Daniels at the beginning of every day to level them out. Truthfully, though, she opened up her first boarding house. In the 1970s, social workers actually thought she was this pillar of the community for opening the boarding house. Puente had built a reputation for taking in recovering alcoholics, drug addicts, the mentally ill, and the elderly. But don't worry, she hadn't turned over a new leaf or anything. It comes to light that she'd been signing her tenants' benefit checks and cashing them. She'd also started drugging her tenants so she could more easily pilfer their personal belongings. In 1982, she loses her boarding house and gets sent back to prison for theft. A state psychologist diagnosed her with schizophrenia and said she had no, quote, remorse or regret, unquote and should be, quote, closely monitored, unquote. (laughs) The moment she's released, Puente opens up her second boarding house. The home is the landing place for a lot of what are known as shadow people. So these are people on the edges of society that um, really no one is aware of where they are or what they're up to. I think Neil Gaiman wrote a book about that. (laughs) (laughs) I think so. What got her in trouble the time before was ungrateful little shits telling the police (laughs) about her antics. Because of this, some of her tenants began to disappear. For pretty obvious reasons, her probation officer said she wasn't allowed to have a boarding house. It's just a killjoy. Yeah, obviously. (laughs) Like, duh. Doesn't he want her making a living? But she still had to come up with an excuse for why all these people were in her house. She's actually able to convince the officer that the hordes of people staying with her weren't tenants, but were in fact guests and friends. Puente must have offered him a gentle under-the-desk handy because he (laughs) was like, you run a boarding house, you poisoned people and robbed them, but now all these people are just friends? That makes sense. (laughs) I mean, who wouldn't want to be your friend? (laughs) Really, like, that's who I'm reaching out to. I'm like, hey, bestie. Hey. In 1982, a 61-year-old woman by the name of Ruth Monroe moved into Puente's house. I had a weird sound with that Puente. 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 Just just adding a little zhuzh to it. A little Puente. A few days in, she dies from overdosing on codeine and acetaminophen. This is Ruth, not Puente. Ruth. I think I've been trying to poison myself with ibuprofen since I turned 30. It's become just a staple of my diet. Old man joke. (laughs) (laughs) The cops show up, and since Puente looks at least somewhat Caucasian, they accept that it was suicide. (laughs) (laughs) To make the story even less believable... Puente told Ruth's family that Ruth had given all her belongings to her except her purse. Stop crying, you guys. She she left you her purse. She told me specifically <laughs> that she was disappointed in you. Stop, cry, stop crying. And that all you're worth <laughs> is this purse. 
1985, Dorothea hires a handyman named Ismael Flores to install wood paneling in her house. You know, because it's the 1980s. Does he have a obsession with whales? No. Ishmael? Call me Ishmael. That took me a sec. That was a deep <laughs> cut. Yeah. You guys didn't know we were getting literary references, did you? <laughs> we're all service. We got two book references. I mean, that's the amount of books I've read, but... <laughs> that you were forced to for high school? Yeah. Once he was done with the job, she asks him to make a wooden box for her. She wants it to be six feet long and two feet wide. That's not suspicious. Do you know what a six-foot-long, two-feet-wide wooden box is usually used for? Nails. Yes. <laughs> but what else? Bodies? No, you idiot. <laughs> Dude, your suspicion knows no bounds. All she wanted it for was to store books and other items, and she needed some help bringing it to her storage facility. Obviously. God, you are cynical as hell. They're on their way to the storage facility, and Puente suddenly asks Flores to pull over to the side of the road and dump the box into the river. She must have paid him well because he asks no questions and pushes the box into the river. A couple weeks later, a fisherman sees the obvious casket in the (laughs) riverbank and calls the police. The cops find an old man still alive. Still he alive? somehow managed to survive on nothing but Werther's Originals and Denture Pace. <laughs> Actually, he was very much dead. Oh, shit. I was like, was man, <laughs> a week? <laughs> All they found was his corpse. You'd think that the jig would be up at this point, but it actually took three years before they figured out that he was one of Puente's... Uh, three years. Tenants. Yeah, three Just crack years. squad on this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> During this time... Puente continues to take in people on the fringes of society. When their mail would come in, she graciously read through all of it to see if there was money or social security checks, which she would immediately cash. She would give each person a little of their money, but kept the rest for her, quote, expenses. (laughs) Her neighbors start to question her, though, when she adopts an alcoholic man named Chief to do repair work around the house. He digs a huge hole in her basement, I assume that wasn't a euphemism, and removes a ton of soil and garbage from the property. He then lays a cement slab in her basement and promptly disappears. <laughs> By the 19... most racially sensitive nickname. <laughs> Chief. <laughs> they fucking had to it deep, the dig deep. They're like, whoa. They're French? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe every oh, accent I do sounds Jeez. the same. I don't know. <laughs> By 1988, people start to get even more suspicious of Puente. One of her tenants, a 52-year-old man named Alvaro Montoya, went missing. Most of the people who stayed with Puente slipped under the social radar, but not Montoya. There was an outreach counselor with Volunteers of America named Judy Moise who got suspicious when Montoya disappeared. When asked where Montoya had gone, Puente tried convincing Judy that he had left for vacation. (laughs) I'm not sure what type of a vacation a homeless person is supposed to go on, but there you go. (laughs) He's already away from home. Oh, he's at his other villa. Oh, that's where he went. He's always away from home. That's why he's homeless. (laughs) Unhomed. Unhomed, Travis. This is a sensitive podcast. Unhomed. Judy doesn't buy it and sends the police over to check into it. 
They show up, and Puente rolls up to her front door in her giant old lady glasses, holding a box of kittens that she was bottle feeding. <laughs> I know that sounds made up, but that really happened. Jesus. She greeted the police with a box of kittens she was bottle feeding. They get the same story that Montoya was just on vacation. She even gets backed up by John Sharp, one of her other tenants. But right before the police leave, Sharp slips them a note that says, quote, She's making me lie for her. The cops come back later and search the house, but they aren't able to find anything, so they ask to dig up the yard. Puente says that's completely fine and even goes so far as to offer them an extra shovel. While they're digging, she asks if it would be okay for her to run and grab a coffee. Isn't that how most people <laughs> react when cops are digging up their backyard? I always want to make coffee runs when I'm under investigation. I mean, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> there must not have been any good coffee in Sacramento because the next place Puente, Puente pops up is Los Angeles. The cops find seven bodies in the backyard. If Jesus. There's, <laughs> if there's anything that history has taught us, it's that L.A. cops are absolutely top-notch. And <laughs> Dorothea isn't even a suspect at first. <laughs> With the seven ones. <laughs> seven bodies in the backyard. And their assumption is, nope, it can't be the adorable white-looking lady. <laughs> Puente manages to remain a free woman for the next five days. A man in a bar recognizes her from the news, and the police nab her. The press mobs her, and she's quoted as saying, quote, I used to be a very good person at one time, unquote. <laughs> I'm not that sure. time was the day she was born uh -huh. and not since. That's what I was wondering. Uh, you know, I'm not sure when she was supposed to have been a very good person. Back when I was five, I wanted this puppy's pretty collar, so I smacked him in the head with a two-by-four and took it. <laughs> I could have struck, strangled him slowly, but I went with the humane method. <laughs> it was determined that every single body in the backyard had Dalmain in their system, which was a drug for insomnia. It was assumed that she had drugged them, smothered them with pillows, and then paid convicts to help her bury the bodies in the yard. The trial goes on for a long time, and by 1993, the jury comes to a decision. They'd been deadlocked for a while, mostly because Puente had such a grandmotherly appearance that they couldn't fathom that she'd be willing to kill that many people. Dorothea is convicted of three of the murders and is sentenced to three consecutive life sentences. Was that, like, four years? <laughs> like four years because she's so fucking old oh yeah she's going to die soon oh she makes it for a while for the rest of her life she maintained that she was innocent she eventually died of natural causes in 2011 at the age of 82 god damn no this puente i think is kind of a punta Ah, puente, puente. i thought of that at the beginning and couldn't think of a way to slip it in <laughs> I don't like you thinking of ways to slip it in when you're oh, around I'm me. always <laughs> thinking of ways to slip it in. <laughs> so have you ever dealt with someone who didn't match their appearance at all? You know, I'm really bad at judging people based off their appearance. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that happens to me all the time. Okay. But then again, like, there's definitely, you can tell by most people, like, you're like, yeah, this guy's fucked up. Uh-huh. I mean, Gary Busey, I mean, I heard he's a great guy. <laughs> well, I mean, he was on my zombie team from right. last week, so that makes I sense. I think about Gary Busey a lot. Who doesn't think about Gary Busey a lot? Yeah, no, I don't know. I have no idea. Like, somebody who 
doesn't match their appearance at all. See, for me, it was actually one of my neighbors. So when we first moved in, I'm not going to drop any names here or tell you what neighborhood I'm in, but (laughs) uh, when we first moved in, we were moving the kids' playhouse. And this was like a two-story giant wooden playhouse. So I had um, two friends over that were helping move it. One of them is like six foot four, huge dude, and he was helping move it. And then the other one was a guy that did MMA for years and years very successfully. So these are big, tough dudes. And we're standing there, and my neighbor comes over to greet us, and this guy looks like he stepped off of a Slayer uh, album cover. <laughs> he has he has the black shirt with the ripped off sleeves. He has the baggy black pants with the zippers and everything all over it, and the combat boots. He has long hair, and uh, he has a cigarette jauntily poking out of his mouth. <laughs> jauntily, <on one> <laughs> jauntily, <laughs> and uh, he's one of those people that uses f bombs as spaces in his sentences. So he comes over and he goes, fucking A, man, fucking welcome to the fucking neighborhood. And instantly, both of my friends disappear. They were like, nope, you're on your own with this guy. And they just, they're gone. And uh, just abandoned you. They abandoned me. And so I'm talking with this neighbor and he's talking all about the neighborhood and turns out he had been in the air force he is an air traffic controller and he was one of the only neighbors that came over and greeted us <laughs> he even invited me to be part of his uh uh motorcycle club which i i don't know what about <laughs> this appearance indicated to him that i would be part of a motorcycle they need to club. diversify and get a metrosexual guy <laughs> We want one of them gays. We found one. We found one. We want a gay light. (laughs) Gay light. You're the bud light of gays. We just want a guy that hasn't come to grips with his sexuality yet. I mean, mean, my neighbor, I have a neighbor, Dave, and he is like this old retired. Remember that time that I was like, I'm not going to mention names? Well, I mean. I suppose it's Dave. Yeah. My neighbor's name was Dave's not here, man. Okay, so anyway, Dave. I mean, his real name is Jeff, so. (laughs) Really? (laughs) No. Okay. No, I have this old neighbor. He's like this old, like, biker guy, uh, and he's just, like, the super chill old guy. But he looks gruff from the outside. You'd think he's going to yell at you, and then he he actually let me, he builds go-karts and shit just for fun. Huh. And, uh. He, there's no limiter on it, so he let me drive his go-kart. Nice. And it's just this little red thing uh-huh. with, like, roll bars. And I am much bigger of a person than he is. Like, okay. he barely fits. Right. And I'm, like, knees out. Like, I'm goddamn fucking riding a tricycle <laughs> and steering like this. And there's no limiter. Yep. So it's just, like, <laughs> like gotten up to, like, 30. That's <laughs> awesome. Great. But yeah, he just does shit like that for fun. He just wanted a go kart to put around in, and nice. He, he Sometimes did it. the roughest looking people are the best. Yeah, you know, I think we need to balance out this murderous Betty White story with a happy story. What do you think? I say let's do it. Okay. Good news, everyone. Well, that's not so horrible. So time for happy stories. I was waiting. I was waiting for the song. <laughs> <laughs> That's also who I think of every time I hear of a mass shooting. 
Betty White. <laughs> Why? Because mass shooting, Betty White. <laughs> no more jokes. You're not allowed to tell jokes anymore. <laughs> so, move on from that. Speaking of mass shootings, how about some good news? How about some good news? You know how there's so much plastic... All around us, microplastics. They found microplastics in Antarctica. You mean like this water bottle these on the water table. Water bottles, like these plastics, they don't really break down, right? Right. And then that's how you get microplastics. Yeah. And it's like all over the place. Yeah. Uh, and they haven't really found a way to combat it. Right. They have with waxworm saliva. How? And and how they figured it out is just bizarre. Okay, too. that's what I was going to ask. So waxworms, which are like little maggot-like things, mm. and Making me hungry. There was the scientist who had a bunch of bee boxes, and he had a really bad year where there was just a bunch of, and this is true, a bunch of bad waxworm infestation. So he was just grabbing waxworms and throwing them in plastic bags. Okay. And then he realized after a while that the bags were disintegrating. Like, not just, like, being eaten or anything. It was just, like, actually disintegrating. So he takes these waxworms, touches Checks everything out. Um, I don't know if it was actually a guy. The Bertuccini was the scientist's name. Should throw in some credit in there. <laughs> <laughs> I just got one last name. That's how solid of a research I do. But, yeah, you notice that there's a bunch of holes in the waxworm saliva actually breaks down the plastics. That's On wild. a molecular level. And they've even done a bunch of testing and they found a way to reproduce it using uh, plant and leaf compost. So, I mean, it, it'll break it down 90% in 10 hours. Really? Which is, like, That's super insane. high. Yeah, see, when you first said this, my first thought was, was this intentionally discovered? Because the way my brain works, all I could think of was scientists trying to make various insects uh, drool, holding right. different pieces of food in front of them just so they salivate, so they could collect the saliva, and eventually landing on the... Wax worms, but apparently yeah. it works. That's awesome. Yeah, wax worm saliva. Who, Who knew? knew? Who knew? <laughs> so that, how, that are they, the how are they rolling these things out? Are they just dumping them in landfills? What are they doing? I mean, honestly, that's what they're thinking of. Like, huh. that was one of the things that they're talking about. But then again, if they have them produced everywhere, right. then there's also the risk of, like, carbon, mon- like the carbon monoxide that they put out, or right. dioxide, I don't know which one. They put out some bad... Plastic uh, farts? Plastic farts, yeah. So the worms <laughs> fart a lot, and then they're like, oh, no, that's just as bad as cows, and yeah, and apparently it has not the greatest, but, I mean, if they can do it using uh, leaf compost, right. which is super scientific sounding. Yeah. Like <laughs> we squeeze the juice out of the plants and put it on plastic. Right. Yeah, but they, they were able, 90% in 10 wow. hours, which is like, yeah, I mean, great. It's finally nice that we have some sort of hint on which way to go. Yep. So, nice. Dope. That's awesome. Well, folks, that wraps up this week's installment of Well, That's Horrible. Please like, subscribe, and rate on whatever platform you use. We are on Spotify, iTunes, Pandora, Google Podcasts, and any other platform you might use. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. The more you rate and review us, the higher we can climb in the rankings, and we'll be able to keep coming out with new content for you. Remember to not become an adorable old lady who murders people, and also remember to make the world a little less horrible. (laughs) 
It's a nice break of question. <laughs> Can you sing all of them? <laughs> Just I can. Every single one. <laughs>